I'd really be tempted to uh, ask sometime those of us, those of us who are here, that I married, and stand up. But I'm not going to do that. Because there are some that I married and that are no longer married. That happens in every church, in every community. And that's painful to face, especially in a setting like this. Um, this is a special occasion for me. About uh, two and a half years ago, I said to Jan, it's time to quit. I, you know, I, I tend to forget things. I, uh, I belabor things sometimes. Not here. Uh, and uh, it, it's, it's time to stop. So I said, uh, I'm going to stop preaching. Now, when this opportunity came up, I, we, the reason we came is because I have a brother, Bill. Some of you know him. He is, lives in Lacombe. And he is fighting Alzheimer's. So uh, I wanted to come back for quite some time and spend some time with him. When we, the last time we did, he recognized us and recognized Jan and I. And so I don't know how many more opportunities we'll have, but we're going up to Lacombe tomorrow to spend some time, maybe about a week or so in that area. So that's the reason we're here. And I said, uh, I'm going to volunteer to preach. And if they take me up on it, I'm going to assume it's God's will. And if not, I'll assume that's God's will. So I volunteered, and it was accepted. And I'm great, great, I'm very grateful to be here. But it brought a new struggle. What do I preach? I think I was here 13 years, and I've had, you would think, ample opportunity to preach at all. So there's much left. And I got news for you. There is. Lots. And so I am really happy to be here and to be with you. Um, we are blessed. I should mention that I still have my happy bride. She's quite happy. She's not quite as young. And Jan and I are both um, blessed. It'll be 38 years in a week or two that we've been married. And we have five children and a number of grandchildren. And they're starting to get married now. And, you know, the generations go on. Praise be to God. We are blessed. Yeah. But we've seen, like all of you, pain too. Deep pain. And we've been through, I think, and I want to acknowledge that. And maybe help you find get some handles on this. This whole COVID thing. Straight from the pit of hell. It really is. It's not of God. And, uh, and we, be, we need to be careful that we don't address it that way. Satan hates God. And Satan hates anything that is good and godly. And there's nothing good about COVID. Except it destroys people. I've seen some wonderful godly people destroyed. I was reading not so long ago about um, one of our churches in Michigan. They have two wonderful men, both elders in the church, uh, owned hard, large hardware store and machine shops, and both of them got sick. They were not wearing masks, and they, they left that freedom to the people that they wanted. That was their conviction. Nobody pushed them, so they didn't. And within four days, two of the leading men in that community died. Died. Now, was that God's will? Who's laughing at this point? It made me weep. 
and it should all of us. It made that community weep. This is not of God. This is a vicious battle. And I say that, and I say that with caution, but with seriousness, because we need to tackle it. If you think it's of God, you're going to treat it differently than if you think it's of Satan. I'll give you one just, just an illustration of that. We have a, our youngest son has, uh, is married. His wife is Christine, and Christine has only one brother, Mark. Mark is now about 45, 48 years old. About um, six, six, three, three months, three, three months, six weeks ago, we got word that uh, Mark was ill and in hospital in no, in uh, Wisconsin, I think it was, with COVID, serious COVID. Didn't take it too seriously. We prayed for him, but didn't say too much more. Then we got a call one Thursday morning, and they said, Dad, will you pray for Mark? He's crashing. He's been CPR three times. He's been brought back, but it's not good. And I said, I, I got angry. I got angry inside. This is not good. Mark's a good man. Mark's from a good family. And I, I got angry. And I said, all right, I, I'm going to call Mark's dad. I know Mark's dad. Mark's dad, Stuart um, Swenson, Christine's father, and Mar our, our son Rob's father-in-law. And I, so I called him, and Stu is a wonderful Christian. He teaches psychology at Indiana University. Brilliant man. And so I called him up and I said, Stu, what's happening over there? And he said, Henry, it's you. And I said, yeah. He said, Henry, I'm so scared. I am so scared. My son is so sick. And it looks like I'm going to lose him. I have only one son and one daughter. I don't want to die. In my, in my anger, I said, you want to do battle? Do you know what that meant? So his wife did. I said, yeah, I'm ready. I said, so he said, I am too. So I said, let's pray. So we pray together. I prayed from Ontario on my telephone. He prayed from Wisconsin on his telephone. And I led in prayer. And I prayed and I said, God, this is not of you. So Satan, you are not a welcome guest in Mark. So in the name of Jesus, get out. Get out. And uh, he said the same thing. He said, yes, he, he prayed it. I prayed it. And I said, this man, Mark, is covenant property. He belongs to the Lord. He's made a relationship with the Lord. You are trespassing, Satan, on property that does not belong to you. Get out. And I'd said it before I really realized what I said. But it was sincere. And uh, end of prayer. You know, he got out. He got out. And very shortly, within 24 hours, they decided that he shouldn't stay in that hospital. He was on a ventilator, and that wasn't helping him. They found another hospital that had what they call an echo machine, and the echo machine does the breathing and worked work for the lungs and the heart at the same time. Put him on that. He was on that for a long time. Now he's home, back at work where he belongs. Folks, do not trifle with Satan. If anything I want to leave behind with you, it's that thought. Do not be nice to Satan. 
He's not nice to you. He's seeking to devour and to destroy those who love the Lord. And that is not pleasing to God. So take the Lord apart. You know, you were singing a while ago uh, a mighty a version of a mighty fortress. But I, I got to write it for the banner. And one of the things I wrote, I said that we need a theme song. And a good theme song for us would be a mighty fortress is our God. And armed with cruel hate. That's how Satan comes at God. On earth is not as equal. And though this world with devils filled, said Martin Luther, we will not fear, for God has willed his truth to triumph through us. We need to sing that. We need to let the devil know that that's our theme song. And we will not die and shrivel and shrink in front of his face. So that's the first thing I want to say to you. I want to say, I've been working hard in this area, in our, in our community, that uh, this God, COVID, must stop. Anyway, going on, I um, want to just say we are all on a journey. It starts when we're born, it ends when we die. And our end will come one of two ways. It will either come when we die, or it may come when Jesus decides to come back and end for all of us at once in the return of Christ. Which one will it be? Well, it doesn't make any difference. The ultimate end is the same. The direction is the same. The goal to be ready is the same for both. And so what we've seen happening around us is these awful things in creation. You know, uh, these fires. Endless fires destroying acres and acres and acres of land. Thousands and thousands of homes. Uprooting hundreds and hundreds of families. This is God? No. We've seen the floods. We've seen other activities happen. The other day I was watching a little bit of the news and it came from Afghanistan. And the Americans had just decided that they would let some of the helpers move to America show their appreciation for what the Afghanistanis had done for the American soldiers. But we were arguing in Canada whether we were going to do the same. And while we're arguing, I'm sitting there and I'm praying. I'm saying, please open the door to people who want healing, people who want the help. And so I prayed, and at the same time on the news they had a showing, it it just made me cringe. The Afghanis had gone into a home, where the father apparently was guilty of their crime. I was helping the Canadians and the Americans. And they took him out to the back. And the next thing we heard, bang. And the next thing I saw was a cloud of dust rising out of the ground, where apparently the bullet had landed. This is vicious. This is destructive. This has got to make us wake up and say, God, this Cannot be. So if we're going to come up against Satan, then become more active in prayer. Pray hard. Pray much. Depend on the Lord. And expect to see answers. Now that's a story in itself. Now when you read about all these destructions taking place, I couldn't help but be led to 1 Thessalonians chapter 5. One of my favorite chapters. 
Here it is. Now, brothers and sisters, about the times and the seasons, we do not have a need to write to you. You yourselves know perfectly well that the day of the Lord so comes as a thief in the night. When they, it is not to identify the they, when they are saying peace and safety, then sudden destruction comes upon them as travail or labor comes upon a woman with child shall not escape. But you, brothers, you, sisters, are not in darkness that that night should overtake you and surprise you like a thief. You are all children of light. You are not asleep, but you are awake and be sober. Do not fear. And it goes on the rest of that chapter to, through verse um, the darkness should, the day should not surprise you like a thief. You are all children of light. You are children of the day. We do not belong to the night. We do not belong to the darkness. So then let's not be others like the others who are asleep. But let's be awake and sober. Folks, it's time to be awake and sober and firm in your commitment to Jesus Christ. Let that be number one. And let it be number one in all situations, at all times. In every possible way. That's the way the kingdom comes. It's that kind of commitment. It's that kind of dedication that it's going to take. To destroy this vicious enemy. And he can. And he will. And he must be stopped. And you can do that. So that's, that's kind of where that. That's um, uh, the, all the safety rules. Peace. When they are saying peace and safety. That's very interesting. Who are they? Those who are not of God. They. They are out there. They'll tell you peace and safety. You say to them, watch out. Wake up. Go that route. And they say, oh, you're taking yourself so seriously. It's not all that bad. Could be much worse, you know. And, and so they whitewash. And then Paul comes against that. But you. They say that. But you are not. You are all children of light. Children of the day. We do not belong to the night. We do not belong to the darkness. So then, let's not be like others who are asleep. Or, but let's be awake and sober. For those who sleep, sleep in the night. Those who are drunk, are drunk at night. But be awake, alert, and watching. Be vigilant. That's the word. Be vigilant. And watch out. Speak the truth. And live the truth in love. Don't let that go. You know, if there's any message that I want to leave with you, it's that one. Be ardent in your walk with God. And I think it's going to, I'm convinced of it, that uh, it's going to take more than just talking the talk. We're going to have to walk the walk. We are the children of God. And we will do his will. And we will speak his words. I've been reading through the gospel, the, the Mark, the, 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 the book of Acts. And the book of Acts is the follow-up on the first four gospels. In the book of Acts, you find it starts of Theophilus. This is now the second time I've write, written you, says Luke. The second time I've written you. And I'm writing you 
about to die. Days are to come. And he says, now go, the disciples, to the disciples, he says, go into Jerusalem and wait. Pray. Get yourself ready. Put yourself on a prayerful footing and be on the same wavelength as Jesus. Because Jesus calls those who are his, his friends. It's a wonderful thought. The New Testament talks to Jesus. You are my friends. And I let my friends know what I'm doing. I don't want to sling any surprises. I'm building the kingdom of God. And I'm earning salvation for all men who would believe in me. And so that's what I'm doing. And you are my friends. When you join me in that endeavor. In John 14 Jesus says. Greater things than these that you've seen me doing. And he had all kinds of miracles. And all kinds of people watched him. And when they watched the miracles, they, he would say to them, believe, 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 and you will do likewise. Believe, believe, have faith. There was the man with Jairus. Jairus was, died. And then he gets word that uh, they want Jesus to come. And then the disciples hear, it's too late. He died. And then one of the disciples comes. And says, you don't have to go over there, Jesus. Why don't you just speak the word from here? And he'll get up and walk. And Jesus says, seldom have I seen such faith. Living and walking by faith. Now, a few quick illustrations. When we left here, 1984, we left here. We got to... Oak, or uh, Oshawa, after many, many painful, long, dirty battles. It's awful. Some of those of you who were here were no. Some of the stuff that we went through, it was not nice. But we got there, and I thought, this is a fresh start with a fresh the church. And I'm there about six weeks, and this little man comes to me and he says, I understand you believe in anointing with oil and being healed. I have multiple sclerosis and I would like to be healed. Will you anoint me and will you pray for me? And I thought, oh no. Uh -huh. Here we go again. Just been through that. I really thought I was free of that kind of tension and struggle. And I said, well, let me think about it. That's a good way to go. It gives you time. Let me think about it. I went to the elders. The elders said, well, why wouldn't we do that? What downside is there to doing that? I said, I don't know. The downside for me is I'm scared. So they said, well, we'll do it. So they, I said, okay, you do it. They did. They said, okay, we'll do it. Sunday morning after church, the elders will go to my office and they'll pray there. We don't want to make a show of it. And one of the elders would stay in church and he would pray there with the congregation. And the whole congregation and all of us in the office prayed for Audrey to be healed. You know what? 35 years the Lord took to heal him. But just step by step. When we first started, he couldn't walk from the front door of his house to the sidewalk in front. And before long, he was biking. He was, he was walking. And he, the last words, he was swimming. He was swimming in competitions. He became totally well, but it took 40 years. Close to 40 years. That's one. That's 30, 40 years ago. Um, 
Another one that, I, that really stands out, really, we don't have to go that far back. We, um, about five years ago, three or five years ago, uh, one of our neighboring church elders came to me and said, will you help us? We're vacant at this particular time. That's a terrible thing. Vacant. Nobody's vacant when you don't preach. You just don't have a pastor at that point. You're not vacant. There's a lot of people. So I, anyway, that said, we're vacant and we have a strange situation. We need some help. And I said, well, what's the situation? He said, well, there's a young boy here about 14 years old in Anderson High School and he has cancer. And he has just been told by Children's Hospital, his cancer oncologist, that there's nothing more they can do for him. He's going to die. And he came to one of the girls from that church, who also happened to be going to the school, and said, can you help me? Can your church help me? She said, well, what do you need? I want to be baptized. I'm dying. I don't want to die. And I think he thought if you were baptized, you wouldn't die. Stop him. But, and that's not, that's not foreign at all. That's very common. I don't want to die. And so she went home, told her dad, and said, Dad, what do I do? Isa came to me, and he wants me to baptize him. And he said, oh, we need help. Where are those? They called me. So I said, well, let's go visit the family. We went to visit the family. Make it quick. We went to visit that night, Monday night, and there was a family with five boys. Oh, wonderful, big, strapping, bright guys. Very bright. And the mother was overweight, slight, 495 pounds. And she was in bed. All she could do. So we go there and we go up the stairs where she was. And I start with, I said, what am I going to do there? And I said to the husband, tell me a little about your spiritual life. And he said, I'm a Christian. I'm a Pentecostal. And I believe God can heal my son Esau. End of story. End of words. And we went around the boys. The boys weren't so sure. They were all boys in their 20s. 18, 20. And so then I get to the mother. And I get the, the mother Shanaz. Shanaz. You become good friends. Shanaz, what do you I am angry. And I said, why are you angry? I am angry with God. He's going to take my boy, and I'm mad. Why doesn't he take me? I'm useless. Can't do anything with me. Take me. Don't take my boy. You know, and in, in that kind of case, well, I have only one solution in cases like that. Pray. Don't try to answer it. Don't try to fix it. So I just, I would like to pray. And I prayed up a storm. I don't know what I said. I prayed up a storm. And I finished, and she looked at me, and she said, You know what? I'm not mad anymore. I'm not mad anymore. And I said, Wow. She said, But I do want God. Oh, she, she said, I'm a Muslim. And she first spoke up. She said, I'm a Muslim, and I'm mad at God. And she said, I am no longer mad at God, and I want God to heal Esau. I said, That's wonderful. Let's pray for that. Prayed for that, shared it with the church. We, um, he wanted to be baptized, so let's baptize him. We did baptize him, and that was a wonderful service. But he, I, do you believe? He said it was iffy, you know. I, I was questioned, but he wanted to be baptized. And then baptism itself becomes a faith-building instrument. 
I'm no older. I believe that. And so I baptized him. And then I said, now, folks, this is Hope Fellowship Church. It's a church, probably 500 people. It used to be the church that I was a pastor. And I said, folks, Isa has a bigger problem than just being not baptized. He has cancer and he's dying. And I'd like to ask you in this next week that you would stand up if you were willing to pray for Isa that God would heal the cancer. So if you're willing to do that, stand up. And that church just rolls like one block. Everybody stood up. And you know what? Um, short, six weeks later, his mother called him. Preacher man, that's what she called him. Preacher man. Preacher man. Guess what? I got a call from the children's hospital and Isa's I, you know, oncologist called me and told me we did two MRIs and Shanab, Mrs. Mombasa, he told me, Mrs. Mombasa, your son is cancer-free. Folks, if you want to can win the world, start doing the works as well as the works of Christ. That is scary. But that's people notice. Those words, works, speak. And they testify, there must be a God who is really. I have no other, when they have no other explanation for what they see happening, then it must be God. And for those, for that God, they will bow the knee. And I have prayed for you as a church. I'll pray in a minute when we close the service. I pray for you as a church that this would become more and more the church that says to hell with Satan and all with God. And we're going to walk his way. We're going to do his will. And we're going to speak his words. And leave the rest him. And you know, I'd be glad that this is the last thing I leave with you. That's just fine. That'll do just fine as far as I'm concerned. And when the Lord calls me to come, well, come home, I'm 83 years old. Can't be long now. You know, some of you are a little older. Hank Dunnable told me this morning he's 88. Poor guy. He's getting old. He's not the only one. There's more of us. But we, I am ready to go. But at the same time, I'm going to have fun while I'm still here. And I'm not going to let Satan win and rule the day and run the turf. Jesus is Lord. He is King. He will be victorious. And those of you who haven't said yes to the Lord, and you're on the fence. Boy, I have a lot to say to you. But I'm just going to suggest three words that my son, who's also a pastor, Fu Wildebers is dangerous. And he's a pastor, and he has three words that he says to young people all the time. Please remember these words. The first word is sorry. The second word is please. And the third word is thank you. Sorry, Lord. I have offended you. I am sorry. Please forgive me. Please forgive me. And thank you for doing so. Now enable me to live the thanks that I express to you now in the rest of my life, with the rest of my life. I want to serve and praise you. That's the desire of my heart. I trust it's the desire of your heart. Let's pray. Father in heaven, you are God. 
you are a mighty God. Lord, we recognize we live in a world with devils filled, threatening to undo us. But we also know that you have not willed for the, your truth will triumph through us. And we pray, lead this church to be a powerful instrument in your hand. Lead them to be a powerful instrument in this community. Lead them to be powerfully uh, committed to you, serving you in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. So bless them. Use them in your service. And each one, may they be dedicated to you. May they have said yes to Jesus Christ. And may they mean it and live it. In Jesus' name we ask. And God's people say, Amen.